Jesus' name. Lord bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing so long. Jesus addressed the whole of Judaism. And he was accurate when he said, in John 16, verse 24, he said, Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. He was correct in that, because in Judaism, they did not know the name of God, the God they served. They only referred to him in terms of relationship as they knew him in their earthly journey. They called him Elohim, which is the pearl of the majesty of the sum totals of God. Or they called him Adonai, which meant Lord. They also referred to him as Shalom, which means peace. In peaceful times from their enemies, they referred to God as Shalom. They also called him El Shaddai, which means Almighty God. They also called him the I Am, and they also refer to him even to this day as Hashem. Ha in Hebrew is the, and Shem is name. So what they're literally saying is the name. Hashem has said, Hashem, Hashem did. They refer to even the Orthodox, all Jews in this hour, especially the Orthodoxy, they refer to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as Hashem. So when Jesus said, Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name, he was accurate because they hadn't. What's interesting to me about all of this is there is an unspeakable name, unpronounceable name, to the Jewish people in the Orthodoxy. Uh, by, I mean unspeakable, they're not allowed to speak it. I've, I have visited some very outstanding, magnificent Jewish temples and synagogues in this country in my lifetime. And I read just enough Hebrew. I can make out some of the letters. But I always do this because in some of the mag most magnificent temples, Jewish temples in this country, they have magnificent stained glass windows. And at the very top, they will have Hebrew lettering. And it says, Yehoshua. And so I always ask the rabbi, they usually are the ones that give me the tour through the temple, what does that say? And he will say, we cannot pronounce it. We're not allowed to speak it. And I always say to them, it says Yehoshua, doesn't it? And he's amazed that I understand it. Yehoshua, shortened to Yeshua, pronounced in English, Jesus. It means God has become our salvation. That is what this name is all about. God has become our salvation. That is worth shouting about. That is worth leaping about. That is worth tapping about. So for just a moment, go ahead and do it. Tap your hands one more time and just lift your voice. In my studying of the scriptures, I've had the Holy Ghost now for 50 years. October 6th, this past, I've had the Holy Ghost for 50 years. I've seen a lot of things in 50 years, and I've done a lot of studying throughout the years. And I, in my studies, I understood something, that the disciples 
had a power to which we basically are utterly strangers. They knew how to pray in Jesus' name. They prayed it in that name as though Jesus himself was doing the praying. They took his place on earth. And if language means anything, then Jesus gave the church the power of attorney. We have the legal right to use his name. Clap again. The value of power of attorney depends upon how much power and authority are back of that name. The thing that thrills me about being a, a believer is the Bible says these signs shall follow them that believe. Literally, the literal rendition of that is these signs shall follow the believing ones. We, God is with us. God is with us. Jesus is with us in the power and authority of his name. What is that name? Something happens when you speak his name that way. So let's work with his name. Let's look at his name, the utterance of his name. Jesus inherited a more excellent name than any of the angels as the first begotten son or body of God. Wherever you see the word son in the New Testament, you can temporarily lift it out and put in the word body. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten body that whosoever believed on him should have everlasting life. God in the Old Testament was a spirit. He had no permanent form. He appeared in the burning bush to Moses. He was in the, the furnace with the Hebrew children. He came as an ordinary angel to Abraham on the plains of Mamre. He had temporary manifestations. We call them theophanies. But when this Jesus came, omnipotence and deity fused itself with human frailty. And God himself became robed in flesh. Emmanuel, God with us in the flesh. And he walked among us. And we looked upon him. And we touched him. We heard his voice. Jesus, the flesh of Jesus, is not a theophany. It is a permanent, the only permanent manifestation that God will ever, ever have. Jesus was a name before which every knee should bow in the three worlds. By his conquest over sin, Satan, disease, death, hell, and the grave, he acquired a name above all names. Jesus is giving us a signed check on the resources of heaven and asking us to fill it in. 
We have the right to use that name against our enemies. We have the right to use that name to call out our petitions. We have the right to use that name in prayer, in praise, and in worship. That name has been given to us, and Jesus is the mighty victor through death and resurrection. Jesus, through death, paralyzed him that had dominion of death, the devil. When Jesus rose from the dead, he not only had the keys of death and hell, but he had the very armor in which Satan trusted. At the crucifixion, Satan was there. Lucifer was there. This Jesus had cast him and his cohorts into the gutter. They even cried out to this Jesus as he walked by and ministered. Why have you come to torment us before our time? They knew who he was. So, when God came robed in flesh, it absolutely caused hell's foundations to tremble and to shake. Because every devil-possessed person that Jesus walked up to and commanded that devil to leave, what Jesus was really doing, what he was really saying is, I am the true landlord here. You are an illegal tenant. Out! Because you were made, I was made, you were made to house the spirit and the breath of the living God. If that excites you, let your voice out. I feel like shouting in this place. I feel like crying. So, you can go with me for a moment and understand that when Jesus was hanging on that cross in agony, six hours from nine o'clock in the morning till three in the afternoon, Lucifer never missed a second of it. And when Jesus, when the blood had drained from his body, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. It was accomplished. And he said, it is finished. As far as I'm concerned, he should have said, it is beginning. Because Lucifer had one Jesus to deal with there. A few days later, he had 3,000, then 5,000, then millions of us today. Millions of us! I worship you because you are God. But I believe with all of my heart, I know this, that when Jesus gave up the ghost and his body slumped in death 
on the cross. I believe that Lucifer absolutely leaped for joy. And I believe he ran to the corners of his kingdom. And he summoned the, his cohorts from all over creation, from all over this atmosphere. Because he's the prince and power of the air. And he held a celebration. I believe that in those deep places, those dark places, where he and his cohorts abide, we'll call it hell for the moment, he went there and he began a celebration because to them this Jesus was dead. But right in the middle of the celebration, there came a knock at the gates of hell. And I believe the emissary of hell that was posted at the gates of hell said, Who is it? And I believe the answer came back. Jesus said, I am Jesus of Nazareth. Open to me the gates. I believe that emissary turned and ran with everything he had into those, the throne room of Lucifer. And right in the middle of the celebration, I think he ran up to Lucifer and said, I'm sorry to interrupt this party, but there's somebody knocking at the gate. And I believe that Lucifer said, who is it? And that emissary says, he says, his name is Jesus of Nazareth. And I believe that Lucifer answered, you'll have to let him in. And that emissary raced back to the gates of hell and opened the gates of hell. And Jesus walked down into that place. I believe that Jesus walked up to Lucifer and reached forth a nail-scarred hand and said, Lucifer, give them to me. Give them to me. The keys of death and hell, give them to me. Mm. And I believe that Lucifer reached into his robe, if he wears one, and pulled out the keys of death and hell and dropped them into a nail-scarred hand. And Jesus closed his hand upon those keys and turned and walked up out of that place. But when he got to the top, when he got to the very top of the gates of hell, he looked back down in that place and cried, Lucifer! In the future, my church will be knocking at the gates, and you must open to them, for it is written, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. So what I'm saying is this, oh, saints, wake up. We should be storming the gates of hell every day of our lives. 
We ought to go to the gates and said, Devil, open to me the gates. Let my mother go. Let my father go. Let my son go. Let my daughter go. Let my neighbor go. Because it is written, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. It's in the name of Jesus. with all of this boiling, rising up in you. Just shout the name of Jesus for a moment. people here who have lost sons and daughters and mothers and fathers for just a moment just for that purpose just for that one on your heart that you're so troubled for just for a moment in your own way of doing things just storm the gates of hell and command that they let that loved one go that they let that <laughs> that relative that friend Jesus I pray in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, Hutashota Varaka Jesus, I praise you. Jesus, I thank you for hearing us. Blessed be the name of Jesus forever. Now, let us continue into the glory of this name, the power of this name. Jesus stands before the three worlds, heaven, earth, and hell as the undisputed victor over man's ancient enemy and destroyer, he stands as the master of the universe. All he was is in that name. All he is today is in that name. And that name, think about this, that name is ours. 
the most staggering statement that ever fell from the lips of this man from Galilee was that we are to have the use of his name. What is mine, I do not have to have faith to use. I have it. You have it. We have it. It's ours. John 4:17 makes an exciting, unusual statement. He says, speaking of this Jesus, as he is, so are we in this world. <laughs> the thing that I struggle with in my own life and walk with God is this. The maniac of Gadara, possessed with the legions of devils, legion of devils, lived among the tombs of the dead, cut himself, screamed, tore himself, was possessed by a legion of devils. It was obvious where Satan was. The whole countryside feared that man. But when Jesus came, and that maniac came running, and fell at the feet of Jesus, they found that maniac clothed in his right mind. It was obvious where Jesus had been. And I wonder about myself. When people meet me, when people talk to me, is it obvious to them where Jesus has been? God, help me. Help us. Just pray for a moment. Because the Holy Ghost is speaking to many of us here. Myself. I am just, sometimes I become just overwhelmed. I understand we must learn the secret of living in that name. If our minds could ever grasp the fact that Satan is paralyzed, stripped of his armor by Jesus, and that diseases and sickness are the servants of this Jesus, that at his voice they must depart, it would be easy to operate and live in an apostolic realm. If we could understand that. Matthew 8, a Roman centurion came and that centurion said to Jesus Jesus said I will go with you the centurion said no I am set over this hundred men or that hundred men so you have been set over to every disease and all diseases you are master over them you don't have to come to my home just speak the word that centurion had risen to a higher plane of spiritual appreciation of Jesus than most believers 
today. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Not only are we saved by that name, we are baptized into that name. I've been to water in Jesus' name. You have been to water in Jesus' name. This is part of another message, but I feel to say it to you. Pharaoh followed those Hebrew children to the waters of the Red Sea, but he could not get through the water. It was the water that separated the Jews from Egypt bondage, Egyptian bondage. When you start your walk with God, the devil will follow you like Pharaoh followed those Hebrew children through the wilderness to the waters of the Red Sea. And the devil will try to get you back. He will try to get you back. But when you step in this water right here, he can follow you to the edge of the baptistry, but he cannot get through the water. He can't get through the water. It is water in Jesus' name that has separated you from this sinful world. The devil may yell at you from the other side of the baptistry, but he cannot get through the water. He cannot get through the water. What I'm saying, people, is if you've been baptized in Jesus' name, you've already been delivered. You've been delivered with the greatest deliverance that ever can come to a man or woman. Why don't you just kick the devil and say, out of my life, out of my life. Do that again. Something is happening in this place. Something is happening in this place. Jesus. Jesus, I worship you. The early church. The early church is something that is not forcefully carried out among us. They acted for Jesus in his stead. The first Christians were taught that when they came together, they gathered about or around that name. That name was the center around which everything revolved or evolved. Their prayers were addressed in that name. In that name, the sick were healed. In that name, demons were cast out. In that name, the Holy Ghost came. In that name, they worshipped. All the work of the early church was wrought in that name. In Colossians 3.17, they were taught to do all things in the name of Jesus. In Ephesians 5.20, they gave thanks always for all things in that name of Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 6.11, they were washed, sanctified, justified in that name. In Hebrews 13.15, they were to make confession in that name. In James 5.14, they anointed the sick in that name. Everything was done around the name of Jesus in the first church. We have been given a deed. 
How few of us really know, possess, or enjoy what our deed covers? I don't know if it's because of what I've been through and what I've seen, but there is something in me in this hour. I want to absolutely shake this world because there is something in me, but there is something in you. If it can ever get out in the dimension it wants to get out in, we could take our cities. We could take our cities. We could take this country because you are the most powerful people as apostolic oneness Christians with the name of Jesus in your life. There is no one out there that can pray with the power and the authority that you have as an apostolic, born again, baptized in Jesus' name Christian. They don't have it. Peter was a trembling, fearful, denying man. But when he stumbled out of that upper room, speaking with tongues, he fearlessly faced the Sanhedrin. He challenged the high priest with a power that shook everything. A stream of miracles flowed from the hands of the apostles that upset Judaism and shook the Roman government to its foundation. Man is an offspring of the miracle worker called Jesus. Christianity, real Bible Christianity, is based on a series of miracles culminating at Pentecost, and it must not die. It cannot die. I've noticed through church history, even in my own lifetime, Wherever there rises a man or a woman whose prayers are heard and answered, the multitudes flock to them. Because the deep-seated hunger in the human heart for God is the reason for all religions. Men are easily deceived by pseudo-miracle workers because of this hunger for the supernatural. If we take, ladies and gentlemen, the supernatural out of this gospel, we have only a religion. This world does not need another religion. It needs the demonstration and the spirit of God and the working of miracles of a living Christ and his church. You're never going to reach the Hindus, the Muslims, and the Buddhists with religion. They've got more religion than we'll ever have. It's coming out their ears. What they don't have is a living God. I've talked to Buddhists who spend three hours a day chanting before a cold stone statue with eyes that see not, ears that hear not, lips that speak not, hands that touch not. You may have talked to stones or trees or the king or the queen or the president today, but I talked to God and he heard me and he answered me.
That is worth shouting about. That is worth dancing about. That's why we come here and act the way we act. Because our God is alive. He is alive forevermore. And His name is a name above every name. Even the name of Jesus. If you read the Old Testament, it's brimming with miracles. Abraham, Joseph, the plagues in Egypt, the Exodus, the Red Sea opening, prophets, kings, and finally, in Bethlehem of Judea, a virgin conceives. <laughs> what kind of love is this? That a God would take on the nature or the seed of man rather than the nature of angels and walk among us and let us use him. We've used him. They used him in the earthly ministry. They said, preach to us. He preached to them. They said, heal us. He healed them. They said, deliver us. He delivered them. God forbid, people, we become hearers of the word and not doers. All unbelief is a challenge to the integrity of God. Some of those people have said to me for 50 years, how is it all going to happen? My answer is, I don't know how it's going to happen. I just know it's going to happen because Jesus said so and I believe it and that settles it. If I can find it in the book, I've got a right to preach it. If, I, if they did it back there, I can do it. If the disciples did it, I can do it. If the prophets of old did it, I can do it. People, we've got to come to grips with this. We have got a hold of this. This has got a hold of us. And in this hour, God is raising up a generation of young people that are on fire for God, that are taking this thing to heights like we've never seen before. I want to tell you something as a man of God. I've traveled the world. I've traveled this nation. This gospel is not lost to the next generation. There is something pounding in the background. There is something marching in the background. There is a God that is pulling young people, pulling adults out of where they are, and God is beginning to come through the land like we've never seen. I've seen things in the last couple of years I never even heard about. I've experienced the reality of Jesus like I didn't even know he was there. Something is happening. Something is happening because we're at the end. We're at the end. Everything you see or read in the book of Acts is going to be reproduced seven times greater than what you read in the book of Acts because this is the latter rain and the latter rain is seven times greater than the early rain. We're not headed for some great falling away. We are headed for the biggest and the greatest and the most powerful move of God this world has ever seen and we are alive in our generation to behold it. We have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. We have come to the kingdom. You have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So shout about it. Leap for joy. Rejoice!
What a marvelous revelation would come if we taught our people intelligently what it means to believe on the name as a sinner and in the name as a believer. Living in it, walking in it, whelmed in it. When I was in Bible college, when I came into this, you may be seated. I didn't know anything about the Bible. I was 23 years of age. I was going to Drake University studying commercial art. Before that, I had been a tap dancer in the theater. I was on my way to Radio City Music Hall for an audition in New York City, and I would have made it. <laughs> I suppose that's arrogance, but I, I, knew, I, I knew what I had a hold of. But then you people came along. Ooh. <laughs> it's a long story, but... I was wonderfully converted. I went off to Bible school. I sat in those classes and I heard S.G. Norris tell how, tell how in the early days of Pentecost, in the beginning of the last century, they would come in the, the bitter cold of Minnesota. It's colder there than any place else in this country. I spent three years there, I know. <laughs> but they, and they would dance and shout around big old pot-belly stoves where they burn coal in their meetings, in their worship services, and they would spin and dance, and they would talk about how that no one ever ever fell into the, into the stove and got burned. They told all kinds of stories like that. But one day in class, Sister Norris taught, and she said, you know, when we came into this, she said, one night in the snow, she said, there was an older saint in the church that was walking in the snow to the meeting place where we were going, and some thug jumped out of the bushes to, to grab her purse, and this little old lady, this little old saint of God, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, threw her hands in there and said, in Jesus' name, and he fell dead. And the police said to her, Lady, what did you do to him? There's not a mark on him. She said, All I said was in Jesus' name. So I had never heard anything like that in the Baptist church. You don't hear that in Billy Graham Crusades. It's not there. I'd go back to my room in the dorm, and I would get down and cry and pray and sob and speak with tongues and say, Jesus, I want that. I want that kind of power. I want to see that. I want to have that kind. I want, I want to see the power of God. I want the demonstration of your spirit. And they have fought me. Even the school I graduated from fought me. They had four bell solemn assemblies and forbid any of the students to come hear me preach. After I graduated as the honor student for the year and told the students if they heard me preach, packed their bags, they were thrown out of the school for the, for the rest of the term. <laughs> Didn't stop me. If you've got it and you know you've got it, it doesn't matter about the rest. That's where you've got to get to, ladies and gentlemen. You've got to come to grips with who you are, what is alive inside of you, and forget the rest of it. So, 35 years later, they call me back. They invited me to come preach the ABI graduation after 35 years. I hadn't been back then 35 years. I went, and I said, well, open the, the, this is what I did. I said, let's just talk. I said, when I came out, I knew nothing about the Bible. I, I quote all these stories that I've told you and some more. 
I knew that all the grandchildren of Norris heard those stories. They all knew them. Brother Grant knew them. Sister Grant knew them. The grandkids knew them. They all had heard those stories. I said, I came here. I never heard anything like it in my life. I went and cried and prayed that God would give that to me, and I went out and did it. I said, so if you don't like the way I am, you blame S.G. Norris and Jesse Norris. They're the ones that taught this to me. I had them in the palm of my hand because they couldn't deny it. We had a move of God. People got the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost fell in an ABI graduation. Eight students got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There were healing lines in the graduation exercise. I've been back there about five times, and every time there's a move of God. That's who we are. That's what it's supposed to be. That's what's supposed to happen. It's not just supposed to happen here inside these four walls. It's out there. It's wherever you are. I'm telling you, Christian, in the beginning, it it was a tremendous force. They threatened the apostles in the beginning in Jerusalem. And what's interesting to me, if you read the text in the book of Acts, when those Sadducees, Pharisees, and that Sanhedrin dragged those apostles in, they were not concerned about the miracles. They said, you are filling Jerusalem with your doctrine. That's what they feared the most because they kept preaching about this name. They forbid them to preach in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. You know how to have revival no matter where you're pastoring? Fill the city with your doctrine. Yeah. Yeah. Get everybody in this area talking about it. Have you heard of that church over there? Those Varnums are involved with, whoever they are. They, they, they baptize by immersion. And they don't say in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. They baptize in Jesus' name. Those people speak with tongues. And those believers can lay hands on you and you'll be healed. Get the whole area talking about that. You're going to have revival. You're going to have revival because people will come. They want to see. They will come to get a hold of that. And people, that's really who we are. We are apostolic believers. We are apostolic Christians. We are apostolic believers. Fill your city with his doctrine. Fill your city with his doctrine. You'll have automatic revival because the hungry will come. The hungry will come. Clap your hands again and shout to the Lord for just a moment. Uh, I taught that to Brother and Sister Willoughby after three years being there and watching them labor. I taught them this. I said, Steve, you need to fill this city, this whole area with the doctrine, this apostolic doctrine. Fill it with doctrine. You'll have revival. He started. And revival broke out. They came from everywhere. The name of Jesus was in the hands of Paul, what the rod was in the hands of Moses. If the Egyptians could have stolen the rod, they would have stripped Moses of his weapon. If the Trinitarians and others of this world could ever strip us of his name, we have lost our weapon. And they're working at it right now. 
They are trying in the military to forbid our military chaplains to mention the name of Jesus in closing prayer. In the Muslim world, in Lebanon, Mark Stern, that missionary, is my convert. He told me, he said, Brother Stone King, they don't care, those Muslims, those, they don't care how many people come and get the, get the baptism of the Holy Ghost and speak with tongues. The moment they find out they've been baptized in Jesus' name, they come in and kill them. Because the name, the power is in the name. Baptism is what separates you from everything else. It separates you from everything else. If you've been baptized in Jesus' name, you can shout every day of your life. The modern church, having lost the power of the name of Jesus, is reduced to the position of a shorn Samson. The Gentile church is a people taken out of the world unto the name of Jesus. It's a supernatural body, clothed with supernatural power, gathered about a supernatural name. One mighty miracle today in the name of Jesus Christ is worth more than a thousand modernistic sermons that are being preached in many churches. How do you fight? How do you fight a man that doesn't even bother to knock at your door? He just walks through the wall and sits down at your table and says, I'm going to have lunch with you. How do you fight that? You don't fight that unless you're a total idiot. <laughs> and we've got a few. How do you fight a man that walks up to a tomb where a man has been dead four days and nights and says, roll the stone away? And Lazarus' sisters cried out, but Lord, he stinketh, the body's decaying. You know why Jesus, they sent for him on the first day. He didn't come the first day, the second day, the third day. He came the fourth day because according to Jewish tradition and the sages of old, it was impossible to raise anyone from the dead after the fourth day because the body had begun to decompose. He waited purposely until the fourth day to shatter their traditions. And when he said, Lazarus, come forth! It's a good thing he named him. If he had the name, if he just said, come forth, the whole resurrection would have come walking out of there because he was the resurrection and the life. And he still is. He is the resurrection and the life. We can clap about that. We can jump up and down about that. We can shout about that because we know him, because we have his name. <laughs> J. 
Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus is the one name that challenges an adjective to qualify it. <laughs> to whisper it. To shout it. To cry it. To moan it. To groan it. To weep. To travail. In any stance or position. It works. <laughs> you see, Jesus' name was to take the place of Jesus on earth. What the rod was in the hands of Moses, the name of Jesus, is in the hands of the weakest child of God. Take the most backslidden person here today, whoever you might be, down on your knees crying out the name of Jesus causes the devil to shake and tremble. It causes him to shake and tremble. Because there's nothing he can do with it. There's nothing he can do about it. not that Moses was so great. It was the rod that was great. But the revelation is you have to let go of the rod. So you've got the name, but you have to let go of the name. Jesus died as our representative. Now we live as his representative. I do not have to take this position. I am in this position. And I close with these examples. The power of the name of Jesus. Whew. We come in the name of Jesus. It means to come in his place, in his stead as his representative, as he, on his behalf. Not just calling on his name, but coming in his place. For example... I'm a blessed individual. I am. And I know that. I've got to do things that other people only read about in books. And it's all because one day I said, Jesus, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll say anything you want me to say. And it's taken me all over the world. One of those places was Taiwan, China. Brother Sister Bracken. Wonderful missionaries. I went there to help them break some things in that area, and God did it for me and did it for them. So through the years, they were doing something. They all speak Chinese fluently. They all preach in Chinese, even their children. Their daughter writes Chinese. <coughs> so in addition to the missionary work that they're assigned to in Taiwan, they also... I helped them to raise funds to get money to fly into mainland China and go up into the mountains and places where the government cannot even reach 
And in those villages in the mountains, they would pray people through the Holy Ghost. They'd be baptized in Jesus' name. So I helped them raise several thousand dollars from friends of mine so they'd have money to go into China to do this kind of work. One of the stories, there were many stories, but this story. <laughs> Brother Brack and I were talking with He said, Lee, he said, I just got to tell you this. He said, we've just come back from mainland China. He said, we met two Chinese teenage girls. Everyone say teenagers. They were Chinese teenage girls that had found out about this truth and they received the Holy Ghost and got baptized in Jesus' name. Reading the Bible on their own, they saw where Jesus sent them out by twos. That's too biblical for us. So they decided they would be a team and they would go and they would go from village to village and they would preach the gospel about the Holy Ghost and baptism in the name of Jesus. And they started, it took them, all kinds of things began to happen. They went to this one village and what these girls would do, they'd, they'd go to the villages and they'd meet the, the villagers. They'd say, what is the major problem here? And they would tell them. And that's what those girls would attack. They'd go after the problem. They'd preach against it, pray against it. So they came to this one village and they said, when they, they said, what is the major problem here? And the villagers said, oh, there's a male witch that controls this city. And no one can come and go. He controls everything. And those teenage girls looked at those villagers and said, take us to him. They said, we can't. We, we can't take you to him. We, we will not take you to him. The girls said, we want you to take us to him. Take us to him. And the people, the villagers, you don't understand. You don't understand. We can't take you to him. He is a witch. He's evil, powerful. The girls said, take us to him. We want to meet him. So finally the villagers began to walk with those two Chinese teenage girls, filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, to the residence where this male witch lived. Evidently, the devils in him felt the wholeness in the village. And he came out of his residence and began to run toward those two girls. Mistake! <laughs> those girls raised their hands and said, In the name of of Jesus Christ, the man froze in the air, and the villagers saw it. He couldn't move. They came running and said, whoever this God is that you serve, we want him. They baptized the entire village. And that's not 2,000 years ago. That's now in our day. These are the kinds of things that are happening at the name of Jesus in our day. And I'm saying if it can happen in China, it can happen in America. It can happen here. Help me pray that the revival we hear about on foreign soil will sweep through this country.
these forces in our government, these forces that are trying to denounce, to absolutely refuse to allow anyone to pray in the name of Jesus publicly, I curse them in the name of Jesus Christ by the authority of God in my life, by the calling in my life, by the power of the Word of God. I curse them all and bind their evil spirit in the name of Jesus and send it back to the pit from whence it came. In Jesus' name! I will not stop using the name of Jesus. I'm going to shout it. I'm going to sing it. I'm going to dance it. I'm going to worship His name because that's where the power is. That's what the devil knows. That's why the devil wants to stop it. The power is in the name. The power is in the name. The power is in the name. Something has just happened. You may be seated. You'll be up again. Something has just happened in the spirit world. Something just snapped. I could feel it. Something snapped. God, in Jesus' name, I send a river of the Holy Ghost into the Congress, into the Senate, into the Supreme Court, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Cause the Congress and the Senate to become emboldened, that they will resist, O oh God, the force that is there. God, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, there is none greater, there is none more powerful. It's the day of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. There's a revelation that's got a hold of many of you. Something has happened in some of your hearts right now. Something has happened for many of you in your experience as an apostolic Christian. You're not going to be the same. God's going to take some of you to, in places in prayer that you've never been before. He's going to begin to do things for you on, in the workplace. Some of you are going to see things you never dreamed you'd ever see because God is looking for a channel to flow through. He's looking for a channel to flow through. That's all He's looking for. And he's found channels in this congregation here tonight. Mm. For just a moment, God has heard you. Jesus has heard you. And if you know he's heard you, then you have your petition. I was in Louisiana. I met a young Amer couple. They had just returned, I think, from South America. 
I met him by accident, and we began to talk. And I said, who are you? Where do you come from? Because I could tell by looking in their eyes, their eyes were filled with the glory of God. You could see it. And they said, we've just come back. And they said, Brother Stone King, something wonderful happened. I said, what? They said, we have gone from village to village, preaching in the villages. They said, we went to this one village, and we're walking into the village. As we walked in, down the path that led to the, right into the village, there was this huge tree that every limb on the tree was just covered with bones hanging by strings and, and feathers and, and ornaments. They had been offered as a sacrifice or some kind of an oblation to a female witch that lived in that village. The tree was just covered like a Christmas tree with feathers and bones and all kinds of things hanging on the limbs. And they noticed it. They didn't know what it was at first. But as they were walking in the village, again, this female witch must have felt something. And she came out of where she lived and began to move toward whatever it was she felt. And when she saw this young couple, she ran toward them. Again, mistake. That couple threw their hands in the air and said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And that woman fell to the ground and they ran to her and prayed her through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Not 2,000 years ago, in my lifetime, in your lifetime, now these things are happening. So we ought to be the most excited people on planet Earth. But the incredible thing is, the moment that witch burst out speaking with tongues by the power of the infilling glory of God, the tree burst into flame and burned and crashed to the ground. That is book of Acts. That is the power of the name of Jesus. This is the power that is inside of us. I was in Columbus, Ohio several years ago. There was a young woman that came to the meeting. She was possessed of the devil. And people were praying with her and all of that. And I, I was doing other things and I finally went over and prayed with her some. And uh, she didn't like it. And so she got up and she ran from me. And she ran outside. And she was running down across an open, open place in that building. And I had never done this before like this. But as she ran from me, she probably was maybe, maybe eight, nine yards, something like that. I, and there were, the saints were behind me and the young people. I threw my hands in there and said, in the name of Jesus Christ. It looked, people, it looked like something hit her and something did. She spun like she had been struck and fell to the floor of that open space. And we ran to her and prayed with her. And in that service that night, God filled her with the Holy Ghost. Mm. When Kenneth Haney was alive, pastoring in Stockton, California, he had a youth group. They had over 500 young people just in the youth group in the church. And Nathaniel Haney, his son, was head of that youth group. 
And um, one night in that youth group, a male witch walked into that youth group service. And Nathaniel Haney saw him coming down the aisle. And Nathaniel said out loud, Jesus, either convert him or kill him. The man stopped and ran out. The next day he was killed in a freakish, horrible accident. The mother of that male witch, that young son of hers, probably about 20, 25, called Kenneth Haney and said, obviously the God you serve is more powerful than the devil my son served. Would you preach my boy's funeral? And brother Kenneth Haney preached that funeral. So, knowing that, I was in a service one night, and I was on the platform right up here in the middle, and somebody, this man walked in, he was full of the devil. And I spoke, I said, devil, you either get him out of here or I will convert him. <laughs> that man stopped and stared at me, and I looked right back. He turned and ran. This is the power that is inside of us. This is the power that is inside of us. These things are beginning to burst out among us in this country. I don't know about you, but in this place tonight, I can hear the sound of the rushing mighty wind. I can hear the crackle of cloven tongues of fire. I can hear the name of Jesus being echoed. There are angels that have come into this sanctuary. Angels are walking up and down the aisles of this church. There are angels standing behind me on this platform. They're in the balcony. Do you understand where we are tonight? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I feel like we are to just shout the name of Jesus and let the revelation, let the revelation come into you. Let the revelation grip your life and your soul and your heart. I feel in the Holy Ghost tonight if we will simply stand and shout the name of Jesus and begin to clap our hands that something, something will burst forth. Revelation, understand it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it.
people, something is going up from this service. Something is going up and out from this service that is covering this whole area. Something is going out. There's a power going out. The power of the name of Jesus. in this sanctuary. There's an impartation in this sanctuary. The Holy Ghost is coming down upon you with revelation understanding. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Cry out His name. Just cry out His name in the name of Jesus. That's it, man. That's it. That's it. By the authority of the Word of God, by the power of the name of Jesus. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Yes! That's it. Get a hold of somebody. There's an anointing upon you. There's an authority upon you in the name of Jesus. Apostolic Christianity. Apostolic Christianity is in this house tonight. In this house tonight. Yeah.
How many of you here tonight need a miracle of healing in your body? Would you raise your hands if you need a miracle of healing in your body? I'm going to speak the word of faith to you in the name of Jesus. By the authority of the word of God, by the power of the name of Jesus, by the power of the name of Jesus, I command healing to fall upon your body right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Receive it. Receive it. That's it. That's it. That's it. There are people being healed of all manner of diseases all over this audience, all over this audience. Because Jesus is in the house.
with the anointing that is upon you as a people, as a congregation, as saints of God, as apostolic Christians, with the anointing that is upon you. How many of you can feel an unusual touch of God on you right now? Can you feel an, untouch, an unusual touch of God? I know, I know there are people here. I know that there are people everywhere. There's tremendous battles. The devil is in a rage. The spirit world is fighting. There's all kinds of things going on. Many voices. And there are some people that are having battles in their mind. There are forces that are coming against us from the outside. I feel like we ought to take a hold of each other's hands and just pray with the anointing that is upon you for each other in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. That's it, that's it, that's it. That's it, that's it. It's happening, it's happening, it's happening. Yes! Something is breaking. Something is breaking. There's a new dimension. There's a new dimension. There's a new dimension.
I pray this for people everywhere I go. I pray this all the time for people. But tonight I feel like it's really going to happen. I pray it believing, wanting it to happen. But tonight I feel like it's actually happening here and it's going to happen to an intensity. People hear me. Someone is going to do this. It might as well be us. So tonight what I'm praying right now is that you will never, ever be the same again. That you will never be the same again. After being exposed to the name of Jesus in this manner, that you will never, ever be the same again. If you don't ever want to be the same again, would you throw both hands in the air and just cry out the name of Jesus? He's hearing! He's hearing! Yes!
Jesus. In the name. I have heard you, saith the Lord, and because I have heard you, I would speak unto you and say, if you will lift your voice to me and claim that which I have touched you with, it shall never leave thee nor thy families, for I am the Lord, and I am covering you with my mantle, the mantle of my name, the power of my blood, saith the Lord. Shout unto me, saith the Lord.
I can tell you tonight, authoritatively, something from ancient days has walked in this place. This is not an ordinary service. There's something you have downshifted. We downshifted into a level. You took a rishataya of authority and power. Something from ancient days has walked in this sanctuary. His name is Jesus. There's no way to dismiss this. I would never dismiss this. But I want us to do one more thing. I do it all the time. I, there's something about it. There's something about a human voice shouting the accolades of God, the blessings of God, the strength of God, the worship of God. It tears holes in the canopies of darkness above our cities. I just feel tonight in thanksgiving and the joy of the Lord that is upon you and the blessings of God and the breath of God that has come through your very being in this service. I think we ought to just clap our hands one more time and just shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. You can feel the victory. You can feel the victory. You can feel the victory.